Okay, uh, if you're new here, just want to explain what's going on. Uh, as a church plant, we value the Bible massively. We believe God speaks to us through it. Like, we, like, we also believe in background music to make the ambience. Um, we believe God speaks to us through his word. And so every Sunday, we'll always open up the scriptures and say, hey, what is God saying to us today? Um, and so we've, we've just literally begun a new series called Real Jesus. And it is a series going through the book of John. Hence why I asked you to turn to John and not Mark or any other book. Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at John and chapter 1. We're going to start right from the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. Last week I did an introduction. I talked about how, how the book of John and how the story of Jesus within the book fits into the bigger story. The bigger story that started in Genesis and finishes, well, kind of finishes and continues in Revelation. How John fits into that. How the book, how the person Jesus fits into that. So today we're actually looking at the scripture, John 1 verse 1. Just before we read... Hello, Ellen. Joshua. So happy. Uh, just before we read, I wanted to share, I've been praying about um, the series that we're going to be going through this week, and I felt that God, I've got a picture in my head of someone at the edge of a swimming pool, oh, that's bright, at the edge of a swimming pool, jumping both legs like this and splashing into the swimming pool, and you know, in, a, in English you call it a bomb, okay, and the whole point, is it the same in Swedish? Yes, bomb. 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 At bomb. At Okay, and, and my, and so I saw this as a pitch, and what I felt God say to me through it was that as we jump in to the gospel, as we, as we look at who Jesus is, as we go through the book of John, as we, if you like, bomb in to the gospel, that there'll be people around the outside of the swimming pool who at the moment aren't wet, who at the moment don't know Jesus, and that if, you, if you're good at doing a bomb, at bomber, then the whole point is you kind of get other people wet and you splash other people. And I really felt that everyone's like, yes, it is. <laughs> Done it. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> um, and, the whole, and what I felt that God would say is, as we get involved, other people will get wet. Other people will see Jesus. As we look at the gospel, as we meet again, as we understand new things about Jesus, as we go through the book, people will go, wow. I want to hear about that. I want to see that. And they'll see him through us and they'll get wet. So please do pray into that. Pray for people to hear the message of Jesus. Pray for people to see the message of Jesus through our lives. It's what it's all about. Go and make disciples. See people come to know God the Father. I loved worship this morning. I thought it was brilliant. Reminded of Jesus, then of running away, but of God the Father loving us and accepting us just as we are because of Jesus. That is the truth. That is the gospel. And it's so important that we remember that and that we go on telling people. Okay, and that is one of my hopes and prayers for this series, as well as us becoming more in love with Jesus. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Sorry, I can also, if you haven't got a Bible, I can do this. 
and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've actually missed a bit out here, so I'm sorry, I'm going to continue. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Father God, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you that it is alive and breathing. I thank you that today as we look at it, you will illuminate things. Holy Spirit, I just pray may you teach us. I thank you. God, that you send your spirit to us. I thank you that he is here now. And I just pray, as, uh, as we go through the scripture, Lord, may you just highlight things to pe- people in this room. May you highlight things to me about who, uh, you know, about the whole of this scripture and everything it means to us. God, be with us. We want to hear your voice, Lord. Amen. Okay. Introductions are important. Whether you enjoy reading books, whether you (laughs) enjoy watching films, whether you're um, quite a sociable person and you like to go and meet new people, introductions are important. The the beginning of a book uh, is there to grab your attention and get you involved in the story. The same with a film. It sort of it's all about okay. This is why you should watch this film. This is what's going to happen, and you should get your attention grabbed by the introduction. In the Gospel of John, we have a really, really important introduction, prologue, and in fact, in all the Gospels, we, all the Gospel writers—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—have all have all written their Gospels and begun with some sort of introduction, and it's really important that we that we take note of the introduction, because they're important. Just like when you're watching a film or reading a book or meeting someone for the first, first time, it's good that you, you know, say the right things rather than the wrong things. Introductions are important. And so you see in Mark, Mark starts the Gospel by say, talking about John the Baptist, and he does that for a reason. Matthew starts his Gospel uh, by talking about the genealogy 
of Jesus, his family tree. And he does that for a reason. Abraham, Jesus. Jesus is the promised seed. Abraham, great, 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 grandson. He does it for a reason. And so, again, John, when we look at this opening prologue, this introduction that we have just read, and we see the words, we've got to think, okay, why has he done that? Because I would say, and commentators would say, that what we see here is just going to be echoed throughout the rest of the book. This introduction is just going to be built on and developed as we go through the book. What he introduces here, we're going to hear again in different forms, in different ways, as we go through the book of John. I think the Bible is a wonderful book. That's why we look at it every week. It's God-breathed. It's so important. And I think there's two things that are amazing, but there's lots of things that are amazing about it. Two things that I'm going to say. One is it's really simple to read. So a five-year-old can read it and get something from it. I'll be like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, it's incredibly complex and beautiful. And you can, you can plumb the depths of Scripture and just like, like find out, wow, that means that, and that links back to that, and that goes there. And it's just incredible. And it just unfolds. And people, I mean, you can spend your life, and people do. And I hope that's a passion for people in this room, just looking through scriptures and just going, wow, that, that's what that means, and that's what that means. It's so deep and so rich. And so when we come to scripture, we've got to come with that sort of heart. I want to see, what is he saying? And the first thing the careful reader should notice when you read the first few words of the Gospel of John is that, hmm, I've heard these words before. In the beginning. Does that ring any bells? In fact, the careful listener from last week will hopefully, (laughs) a bit of a spot test, um, will hopefully even remember those words. Genesis 1, in the beginning. So the careful reader is transported, and, and the Jew, the people who... John was writing this to at the time, would have immediately realised, wow, that John is talking. He's not talking about John the Baptist. He's not going back just a little bit. Or he's not even talking about Abraham. He's not going back to the beginning of Jesus' family tree. He is going back to the beginning. Like the beginning. The beginning of the big story. The beginning where, as we saw in that short clip, where there was nothing. And what do we read in Genesis 1? In the Beginning, God. What happened before uh, that wonderful poem where there's, you know, where there's, before there was campfires and light and, and, you know, friends and all that. What happened? It was God. (coughs) He was in the beginning. But then, as we read through the creation account in Genesis, we find that God speaks. He has word. And so you read verse 3, God said, let there be light. How does he create? He speaks. Out of his word comes light. Verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. Verse 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. So in the beginning, God was there. But John also says that the word was there and we see this through creation God said God said God said through his 
word. And this would be the, this would be the Hebrew understanding of creation. Okay, they'd look at Genesis. This is how God created through the word. This is how he sustains through the word. Now, a Greek, a pagan understanding of creation, of how God sustains, is slightly different. Would, would have been, or perhaps is still slightly different, but was slightly different. And they'd have seen this principle of the universe, this thing out there that holds everything together and ensures growth and just makes sure everything ticks along. And they would have had a special word for that. And the word they would have used is logos. Okay, the word, the, the, this word logos is the principle of the universe. It's not, it's not human, it's, not, it's, just, it's just there and things just kind of happen and it sustains and it grows. And that's what the Greeks would have said. And so when we look at John chapter 1 in our English Bibles, or our Swedish perhaps, and we see the word was at the beginning, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We've got to understand something about the word. We've got to think, what does the word mean? It's obviously important. It's with God. In fact, no, the word was God. So the word is really, really important. What is it? And, in fact, John wrote this in Greek, and he didn't use, obviously, the word word, because it's probably not in Greek. But he used the word logos. So he used the same word that these Greek philosophers talked about when they were saying, these are the principles that sort of sustain the world. Logos. He used the same word when introducing this word that was with God. So, does John mean that he agrees with the Greek philosophers, that this logos is kind of what they're saying, this principle? Well, we find out who he says the word is, who he says logos is, as we go down the scripture. So in verse 14, we get the clue, we get the understanding, we get the answer to what, who the word is. Is it just some mystical, powerful force? The word, verse 14 became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This is a quote from a commentator. He says, John's Logos is a divine person who became a baby in a manger, a boy in a carpenter's shop, a man among men, and the one who bears the sins of the world. Jesus is the Word. Point number one, Jesus is the Word. He was there in the beginning. He created light, darkness, all those different things that you can read through in Genesis. Jesus is the Word. The baby that was born in Nazareth, Bethlehem, Nazareth. I always get it confused. Is Nazareth, Nazareth or Bethlehem? Thanks, guys baby that was born in Bethlehem. Baby Bethlehem, perfect. Got it. I think I'll remember it next time. The baby that was born in Bethlehem. He is the Word. The Word that was with God. The Word that is God. Logos. That is Jesus. And it's just incredible. 
So what John is saying is he's saying this. We now have the dawn of a new creation. This is massive. Creation number one at the beginning. Creation number two here. The dawn of a new creation. How is it spoken in exactly the same way through the word, through Jesus? Jesus is the beginning of the new creation. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It's, it means that when we come to worship and just enjoy God, even though we've had a tough week, it's like, or you know, we can walk through life and we know, no, we, are, we, 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 are, we have Jesus inside of us and he has begun something. It's amazing. Even though the world looks so difficult, even though the world is so difficult, Jesus has begun something. I was, uh, I, was, I was thinking about amazing news, because obviously this is pretty amazing news. And I was thinking about what other amazing news has there been recently. And there has been some pretty amazing stories over the last couple of years. Uh, worldwide, you've got um, Trump becoming president. Not many people would have guessed for that. Uh, Europe, if you think about Europe, um, the UK deciding that uh, they want to separate from Europe. Again, not many people, obviously people voted, but not many people really thought this is going to happen. Um, I'm a big football fan, uh, and there's a team called Leicester in England, and they're like the worst team in the league. Well, that's maybe a bit harsh. Like the second worst team in the league. And a couple of years ago, they won the league. Okay, and the chances of this happening were 55,000 to 1. 55,000 to 1. And someone, there's one guy who put, for a bit of fun, a £10 bet on Leicester winning the league. And so he walked away with £550,000. Femme comme femme, millionaire. They're, they're into door leagues. Um, it's just like, there's been some amazing stuff that's happening that you're almost like, wow, that's amazing, wow, that's amazing. What we see here, the word became flesh. Logos became flesh. The creator entered creation. It absolutely knocks all of those other amazing things out of the park. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's, it's to get excited about. It's to get amazed about. It's to, it's to start worshipping. Because this news is amazing. The creator comes into his creation to start in the beginning again. It is the beginning of a new chapter, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, when we, say the word, we see the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt here is a really important word. Basically, the translation, or if to, what it literally would mean is he pitched his tent. Jesus, the creator, came down and like we're going to do in August, hopefully if we have some tents, is we're going to pitch a tent he pitched his tent. He put up his tent. The creator pitches his tent on planet Earth. And that's incredible. And again, careful readers will be reminded. Okay, so we've been reminded in the beginning, John, where's, where we heard that before, Genesis. They'll also be reminded, pitched his tent. Where have we seen that before? Well, in the Old Testament, we regularly, God's presence isn't available like it is today. It isn't available, like Nina prayed, like, thank you for your presence, and, you know, I can feel your presence. It, she couldn't have prayed that two and a half thousand years ago. Because God's presence was in a specific place, perhaps on a specific person, or for a specific reason. And where God's presence would often be is in the tent of meeting. 
And so careful readers, when they see Jesus, he dwelt, he pitched his tent, what, what you get there is that the presence of God is with Jesus. And so the presence of God comes down to planet Earth, not in a, like, in a tent where it's impossible, to, like one person, one time a year, perhaps if they're super holy and super chosen and born in the right family, they can approach it. If they've been washed and cleaned and cleansed, then they can maybe approach the presence of God. The presence of God comes amongst us in a person, in fact, in a baby. It's incredible. And that baby will grow up and will walk the streets. And so now this presence of God can be heard, can be seen, can be spoken to, can be conversed with, can be touched. That people do touch him, instantly healed. Incredible. The presence of God no longer is in a tent. Jesus is the tent and he walks and he goes wherever. It's incredible news. It's brilliant. So... Jesus, the word, Logos, comes into creation and it's the presence of God hits planet Earth. So what does that mean for us today? I think, honestly, it means a whole bunch of things. And it's a whole bunch of things. As I said at the beginning, this is an introduction that we are going to... like. It's an introduction to the book and we're going to pick apart bits and bobs and here and there and we're going to see all different things about what it means to us that Jesus, God, came down... But one thing that I just wanted, I felt that I wanted to pick up today is pretty simple. That God has walked on planet Earth. And when you start to think about that, it's amazing. God became man. So what that means is that he knows that life isn't always easy. He knows that life is tough. He knows that sometimes your friends will betray you. He knows that there are enemies out there who want to do you harm. He knows what it's like to laugh and to smile and to be at parties. He knows, as we find out, and as I've said, the main reason why we're doing the Book of John, what it's like to eat fish, fresh fish off a barbecue. He knows what it's like to eat a barbecue. Jesus knows. And I think this is a massive take-home for us today. Perhaps you feel that, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. Perhaps you feel like, I don't want to go to work again. They're, they're on my case. I feel like I'm doing a good job, but people are just saying, no, you're not. Perhaps you feel that, actually, life, life is great. And it is barbecue time. It is enjoyable wedding time. But whatever side, or perhaps you're somewhere in the middle, but wherever you are on the spectrum, Jesus has done it. And that's got to give us incredible hope. Incredible hope. Jesus has been here. So we can't pray to God and say, oh God, tough, tough time at work this week. You know, lots of people are having a go at me. Uh, you know, I'm doing a great job personally. But no one can see that for some reason. Uh, we can't pray things like that and then say, oh, but you wouldn't know how difficult it is down here on earth. I mean, you're up there, so holy. We're actually in Hebrews 4. We read this, 4.15. We do not have a high priest 
who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. We have a word that became flesh, Jesus Christ, and he has lived amongst us. He has been tempted just as we are. He knows what it is like. So when we approach God in prayer, we can say, oh boy, it's tough. And Jesus is like, I know. Here, have some grace. Here, have the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled up again with the Spirit. Because I know it's difficult. I needed to be filled up regularly. My prayer life, I often came to the Father and said, I need. So God, yeah, he saw the state of the world. He knew it needs saving. Big picture. Beginning, he sees the state of the world. There's a lot of bad going on here. He sees it needs saving. So what does he do? He sends his son. Jesus takes on flesh. I think it's such a difference to what a lot of people think God is. So a lot of people would say, like, and I'm sure you all have conversations with this at some point in your life, God is distant. That he is like this big, scary, judgmental God. That he is a violent God, especially in the Old Testament. He becomes nice in the New Testament. But actually, this truth that God, the Word who was with God in the beginning, became Jesus, means the very opposite to him being distant. It means that he was, it means that he is close. It's a tough door to open that one. (laughs) It means that he isn't extremely angry but he is loving. And he has demonstrated this by sending his son Jesus. So Jesus comes to earth, having a bit of issues with the door here. So Jesus comes to earth. God sends Jesus. Word becomes flesh, which means God and Jesus. They become, they're, they're, they're in separate locations. God the Father and Jesus on earth. Yet, super important, super important that we understand this. They're separate, but let's read John 1, 1 again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Separate locations, but the same. Jesus took on flesh, didn't mean he was any less God. So important that we understand that. John says it here. 100% man or baby becoming man. 100% God. Okay? Tough to get our heads around sometimes. But that is the truth of it, is that Jesus is fully man and he is fully God. The word is with God and the word was God. I was going to play a game, but we don't actually have time, unfortunately. Yeah. Should we play the game? Yeah. Okay, it's a bit of, this is a bit of a, uh, like a picture on the word being separate, yet part of. Okay, when you do a picture, it never gives you the full picture of a truth, but it helps to maybe explain something a little bit. The game is called... Who said what? I will show you a quote, some words... And I would like you to tell me who said what. Okay, this is a game I thought up, so it could be absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, 
Okay, I will show you the quote. Shouting out is absolutely fine. I welcome it. I will show you the quote, and then I will show you if you are right or not. First one, nice and easy to warm up. Donald Trump. Well done, Beth. I knew it would be you. There's Donald Trump. Perfect. Okay, next one. Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Very nice indeed. There he is. Maximus Aurelius Aurelius. Bit tougher now. Getting a bit more difficult. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Surely can be. Hate cannot, on the right lines, drive out hate. Only love can do that. Is it Dumbledore? Is it Dumbledore? <laughs> no, it's not Dumbledore. <laughs> I should have put a Dumbledore quote in, then everyone would have got it. Yeah. Martin Luther King. Yes, well done, Howard. Yes. Big points. I went from Gandhi, no, Dumbledore. Next wizard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and my last fate, like I love this quote, uh, Christian leader, the local church is the hope of the world. Terry. 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 Yes. Very nice. Oh. Bill Hybels just walked us through. There he is. No more, I'm afraid. Oh. That's it, we're done. That game was great. Do you like it? <laughs> and gone too. Let me just do this now. Um, so the things about words, one of the things you know about words is that they're separate from the person. But they also reflect part of the person's character. And so when you see... Uh, what we do in life echoes in eternity, you know that reflects who the person is. They're separate, but they're also part of. That's why, like, when someone, I don't know, says something that's not very nice, you don't really, like, get upset at the words, do you? Like, come here, you horrible words. Get back at you separate things. But actually you get, you get upset at the person because the words are part of the person. In fact, when I say to Freddie, I love you, it's not like the words that sort of like love him. It's me. It reflects who I am. It's part of me. So they're separate, but they're also part of me. And I think that helps explain a little bit how the word and God, Jesus, so Jesus the Son and God the Father are separate. Actually, they're also part. They're the same. They're two, but they're one. And of course, it's two parts of the three. The Holy Spirit as well. Which, as we go through the book of John... Are we all going to die? No. As we go through the book of John, John is very keen on explaining the Holy Spirit. And we're going to find out much, much, much more about that. Boy, the time is absolutely going. Uh, Okay, I just want to introduce one thing, and then we're going to finish. Uh, again, John goes on to explain this, but he introduces the word, he introduces Jesus as light and life. Tom Wright says this, The word through whom all things were made, the one who contained and contains life and light. The word challenged the darkness before creation. Okay, Genesis 1 challenges the darkness. And now challenges the darkness that is found tragically within creation itself. The word is bringing into being the new creation in which God says once more, 
Let there be light. Jesus is light. He is the hope. He is the light. He is the life of men. So what's the take home from this? I don't need to tell you we live in a dark world. I don't need to tell you to quickly go on your tablets and your phones and look at news headlines. Because we all know the atrocious things that happen around the world. Whether it's weather, whether it's people, whatever it is. It's a dark, it is a dark world. I think we know that personally. But I think we also know that like, um, just in terms of the world that we live in. The solution to the world's darkness is not tighter border control. It's not better schooling. It's not longer uh, punishments, like longer stays in prison for criminals. The solution to the darkness, the solution to the world's problems, is found in only one place, and that is in the Word. It's in Jesus, in the light. It's guaranteed. The absence, no, light is the absence of darkness. It's the way it is. Turn on the light, darkness goes. Jesus is the light of the world. And when he comes into the darkness, darkness goes. Okay, I'm going to finish there. So, just to recap, Jesus enters the big story 2,000 years ago. The big story, Jesus, creator, takes on creation, comes down, becomes created in man, Jesus Christ. But he's also outside of creation. He is in the beginning. So he both comes into creation and he's outside of creation. And in him is light. He is the light of the world. Prophetically, uh, Jeremy Simpkins, who leads Christ Central, spoke to us two months ago about us as a church plant. And I said to him, I said in a video, it's very dark in Sweden. And I wasn't being spiritual. I was just talking about the weather. So, it's not <laughs> um, And he said, yeah, I hear you, Josh. I hear that it's dark in Sweden in terms of the weather. But he said, I also feel you as a church plant are going to shine brightly because of the darkness. And that's not us being super clever, being smart or, or whatever. It is because Jesus is shining through us. It's so important. So if there's one prayer to take away, if there's one thing to think about and start praying about, is this Jesus, please shine brighter in me. Father God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus. I thank you that during worship, uh, looking at the scripture, we just get to meet Jesus again. And it's just, he's just amazing. He really is just amazing. Uh, I thank you that we have the privilege of like a book that tells us about Jesus, that tells us about you. And I just pray as we go from today and as we go through the series, as we go through the book, Lord, may we fall more and more in love with Jesus. May he shine more and more brightly. He is amazing. Wonderful you are. Amen. Okay. Great.
Next week, John chapter one. (laughs) Same place, same time. Small groups. Alid has a small group. Becky has a small group. If you're not part of a small group, get part, get involved. We eat food, sing, talk. They're great. Cool.